Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Out here in a slightly overcast post-thunderstorm, Las Vegas. As uh, Las Vegas recovering from a wild weekend. Big concert. Uh, also, the uh, Billboards Award Show. And oh, yeah, by the way, they got a hockey team going to play for the Stanley Cup Finals. That is that is absolute craziness. It's 1993 Southern California all over again. We'll get to that that parallel upcoming on the Doug Gottlieb Show. But it's the 25th anniversary of Coaches versus Cancer. This is the 11th annual Coaches versus Cancer Las Vegas Golf Classic. We'll be bringing you some of these coaches who uh, have bound together to fight and try and eradicate the world of cancer. More on that upcoming. But um, 
Uh, matter of fact, Lon Kruger is going to join us. He is, in fact, the host. He started this when he was the head coach at UNLV. He was the coach of Trey Young, who led the country in scoring and assists. We'll get his thoughts on the NBA playoffs, on Trey Young, and on the lottery, where, where he fits in best. That upcoming in just ah, 15 or 20 minutes or so. We will get to a little of the hockey and, uh, and a little on Major League Baseball, but a lot on the NBA. And and not the most entertaining games in the world, unless you're a fan of the two home teams over the weekend. Cavs blow out the Celtics. And the Warriors, Warriors eviscerate the Rockets in the second half. I mean, there, there should no longer be a written definition of the term boat race. All they have to do is show highlights of the second half Rockets Warriors yesterday and go, oh, that's what being boat raced is, right? Yeah. Giving up, uh, this is not a, th- this is a correct stat, giving up uh, 60, 72 points in the second half. 72. Now, part of it is made worse when your backups come in and hit a bunch of shots, even in garbage time, but 126 to 85 was the final score, and it felt like 126 to 85. It, it really did. And, you know, among the things everyone's talking about today, the Steph Curry going nuts in the second half and yelling, this is my blanking house. Uh, it's the overall dominance of Curry and Durant when they're both hitting. How much different is this team? And the juxtaposition of that with, with uh, Chris Paul and James Harden, who combined to make 12 of 32 shots. But I, I think that, that some of this is the we, – we so often fall in the trap of regular season, regular season, regular season. And it's, it's hard because though there are Cologne games in the regular season, there are games to which they play with semi-playoff intensity in the regular season. The fact is it's almost like a different sport. We said this to start the playoffs. You watch game one, you're like, wow, it's, it's a different level of sport. And the punching and counter-punching from the coaches, from the players. I mean, really, all that the Warriors did, all the Warriors did to the Rockets is a little bit of what the Rockets did to the Warriors in Game 2, right? They pushed the tempo and they attacked James Harden and Chris Paul defensively, which wore them down offensively. And, frankly, they were the two weakest links defensively as well. Paul's a very good defender, but he can't do anything when he gets matched up with Kevin Durant. And, you know, James Harden is not a good defender, and they want to put him, you know, in isolation situations or in pick-and-roll situations as often as possible. Some of this is, I'm not going to deny it, some of it is confirmation bias, right? I I started with the premise that I struggle to watch James Harden because there's such, at times, little effort, such a big give-up, what I call give-up factor. Anybody can get beat, but it's, do you get beat and then go like, eh, eh. Or do you get beat, and then you fight, you scrap, you claw, you do anything you possibly can to get back into the play? That's what most other stars do. That's what James Harden doesn't do. Right? James Harden isn't just a bad defensive player. He has the give-up factor. You know, It's a very quick give. You beat him, and he's like, eh. All right, we'll get it out the net. We'll go the other way. It's just hard. It's hard to buy into. 
any of your defensive metrics. Well, you know, in the regular season, he was stop with the regular season discussion. It is also one of those reasons to which people misunderstand what an MVP is. Coward talks about this all the time. Well, you know, LeBron James, this and that. Like, dude, the MVP is just who had the best regular season. The coach of the year is just who had the best regular season, who did the best regular season coaching job. And as long as we understand that we judge people based upon the playoffs historically, we understand the true greatness of somebody based upon the playoffs historically, then we can somehow in our minds differentiate that the, the regular season is checkers and the postseason is chess. There are some similarities. The board, in fact, is the same, but the game is far different, far more intricate and far more skill-based. Regular season, you may get a guy who is, you know, teams this year. We had more injuries this year than we had in any previous year, in spite of the fact they lengthened the season, gave guys more time off. What the NBA didn't account for was guys had more time off, so they went out more. Right? Some teams practice too much, some teams practice too little, some guys just got hurt more. And then we had a, a record number of teams tr- uh, tr- openly trying to tank openly trying to lose and so it's really hard to tell like are we really that good or were they really that bad and maybe sometimes it's the case of both but as effective as James Harden and Chris Paul were at times in the regular season remember they didn't play the whole season together and at times as they have been effective together in the postseason some of this is it's a two-star team Right? as opposed to the Warriors are a three-star team, having three stars, three guys that can absolutely stretch the floor. And some of this is also a case of we've all known, we've all known that you are in basketball. In basketball, you are who your coach is and you are who your best player is. And when your coach doesn't have an affinity for defense in terms of coaching it, you can hire an assistant coach who becomes your de- Jeff Bezdelkis' defensive coordinator's defensive guru. That's great. But if your head coach isn't bought into defense, defense isn't willing to sit a, your best player because he doesn't play defense or play selfishly, and if your best player doesn't have an affinity for defense, that's who your team is. That's who your team is. So is this confirmation bias coming off of an ass whooping? Sure. You know, we probably, yeah, I'm sure you're sitting there going, Godly, we could have had this discussion off of game two. You would have had a different tune. Maybe, a little bit. But... One game is one. Anybody can fake it for one game. If you want to sit there and go, hey, well, game two was different. Yeah, that's faking it for one game. Couples that are getting a divorce can put on a happy face when they go to somebody else's wedding or they go to somebody's funeral or they go to a family event. And anybody can fake it for one night. Hell, lots of you guys, lots of women have faked it plenty of nights. Faking for one night, that's what the Rockets did. One night they were tough. One night they got the calls. One night they made the shots. But who you are in the playoffs is who you really are. And this is a team to which they didn't value the ball. I mean, the Rockets turned the ball over 19 times. As opposed to the Warriors, who are a high turnover team. They only turned over eight times. Steph Curry is a high turnover guy. Only had one turnover last night. So we've seen kind of the um, the top and the bottom for the Warriors. And we've seen just about the middle, which was game one, where the Warriors were, I think, I think handily enough better. 
but not what we saw last night. But you have to th- you have to mentally and physically throw out throw out anything you see from the regular season because the postseason tells you all you want to know. And the postseason, dude, I don't care. James Harden wins the MVP. That dude can't keep anybody in front of him and doesn't seem to care. Doesn't seem to care. Anybody, these guys are so good. Anyone can get beat. Anyone can be made to look really bad. They can shoot 35 feet out. They're freak athletes with great handles. Kevin Durant's seven feet tall. Steph Curry, you can't touch him, and he, he's got a crazy handle and shoots unbelievable shots. Anyone can get beat, but when you just give up when a guy goes past you, I, I have a hard time buying into that, regardless of the 65 regular season wins. They don't mean anything. They just don't. The regular season is checkers. Fun game. But your kid can beat you at checkers. You can get caught in a bad movie like, ah, it's checkers. You get beaten chess, that's, that's totally different. Thinking man's game. Knowing the whole board. Understanding different moves. There's defense to it. Sometimes there's sacrifice to it. You've got to sacrifice some of your pawns and some of your lesser, uh, some of your lesser figures as opposed to sacrificing your queen. And, of course, you can never sacrifice the king. Regular season's checkers. Postseason's chest. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I hate to say I told you so, but I, I did tell you so. What, what happens is when you try and explain, like, look, you can explain a lot of things to me that I don't know, right, that I don't know, that I've never done before. Like, we're sitting out here at Shadow Creek, and I've played golf before, but I am not a golfer. So if you're trying to – I'm not to the point – you know, when guys start talking about their golf swings, you know what I like to do is my, my back swing, and you want to get the club head to, you know, the face to do this and do that. And, like, I'm listening to you. You, you might as well be, you know, explaining to me the Pythagorean theorem. Like, I really don't – I can nod, and I can kind of get it, but I, I haven't actually done it. So when I – when I say to somebody like, hey, uh, point guards don't need to rebound, right? They're like, what do you know about point guards rebounding in the NBA? You never played. Like, listen, I may not know the Pythagorean theorem. I may not really truly understand how my backswing and tempo and my hips and everything. Like, I'm just, I'm still at the stage where, like, you know what? I want to get the club head on the ball. I can feel what it feels like when I hit it just about right. Hopefully, it doesn't tail too much right. And I know about how far my clubs go. Like, it's a pretty simplistic way of playing golf. Like, I'm okay. I can handle my own. I struggle to read greens. I can tell you about the point guard position. It is not a rebounding position. It just is not. And so, when, when I look at, like, and stats don't always tell a story. But enough stats do tell enough of a story. Case in point, look at box scores. Look at box scores and you show me the great, you know, Chris Paul last night has nine defensive boards. He ends up with a double-double. He didn't actually play well. But for the most part, the whole guards rebounding thing, like you don't really rebound as a point guard. You want to get out so that you get the second pass so that you can beat people down the court. You don't want to be worrying about rebounding. You want to be worrying about who am I going to beat up the court. But the only double-digit rebounder over the weekend 
was Chris Paul getting nine defensive boards, which is good. It's fine. They also got bombed by 41. There is no correlation between winning basketball games and point guard rebounding. I bring that up because the Russell Westbrook averaging a triple-double stuff is cool, right? It's cool, it's clever, it's fun, all that stuff. Great. It, has, it plays no part at all, none, in, in deciding who wins an NBA championship. Do you have to go in at the end of a game and everybody rebounds? Yes. But the idea of averaging double-digit rebounds, that, that ends up being a selfishly unselfish play. It just does. It's a lot like you can be selfish and have assists. Sometimes you got to get rid of the ball and let other people play with it. You know, people get on to Kyrie Irving and they say, well, Kyrie doesn't average nearly as many assists as Steph Curry. That's true. But Steph Curry won. He also turns it over too. He does. The, he doesn't always throw it up. He wants to make. He wants to make a play and then kick it out so that you shoot the basketball. It's a different style of kind of the same thing as Kyrie. Kyrie oftentimes will throw the ball up the court in transition because he's not a great, not a great creative passer. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Before the series even began, Howard Beck. Uh, wrote an article for Bleacher Report about the remaking of the Rockets' offense, and uh, we thought it'd be great to reach out to him. He covers the league, knows it so well. Uh, after we've had three games of watching the Rockets against uh, the Golden State Warriors, he joins us now on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Howard, for people who didn't read um, Seven Seconds or More, the remaking and ISO Ball Awakening of Mike D'Antoni, uh, what, was, what, was the t- what should the takeaway be from your article? I mean, there are several, I think, um, and thanks for citing it. I mean, I, I think the main thing, and this was the curiosity that led me to this story, that led me to go to Houston, go talk to, to Mike D'Antoni about it, is just that, you know, Mike himself has kind of undergone a bit of an evolution as a coach. Uh, you know, it, he broke through in the NBA. His fame is due to, to those Phoenix Suns teams of the mid-2000s with Steve Nash, and those teams were known not just for getting up and down the floor and shooting a lot of threes and the spread offense and the pick and roll, but for the fact that it was all about ball movement, that Mike, his, his pet phrase was the ball finds energy. And what he meant by that was, hey, you know, p- pass the ball, move around, it'll come back to you. The ball will find you. And what he has now in Houston with Harden and Chris Paul is a very isolation-heavy attack. In fact, they were the most isolation-heavy offense in the entire league. And the irony, of course, in all this is that the whole league – has in the last, you know, 12, 13 years since the Suns broke through, the whole league has gone that direction where pace and three-point shooting and also just, you know, ball and player movement, uh, more fluid offense, has taken over the league. And so what Mike is doing in Houston, what the Rockets are doing, is a little retro in some regard. Um, The basics are still there of what Mike D'Antoni has always believed in. But if you had asked him in 2005 uh, about, you know, playing this much isolation he doesn't like to admit it but i i think he would have uh flipped out <laughs> and so no, he used to fun, he used to it's a, it's a, go ahead you know he used to say you're either a ball mover or a ball stopper and he didn't like yeah. ball stoppers right and the kobe Bryant was one of his least favorite players in the nba when they were competing against him because kobe was a ball stopper and now he's had to kind of embrace. Now, look, it's a hybridization, right? They still are spaced around the three-point line. They still have one big guy in screening, rolling with an empty lane. Like those, as you pointed out, those are still 
but he is embracing something he used to not dislike. He used to despise. I, I guess the question is, is he enjoying it or is he is he just doing it because that's the best that they can do with this personnel? Well, it's two things. One, he enjoys winning. They won 65 games and they're in the conference finals, a place that he hadn't been in a while. James Harden had only been to once and Chris Paul had never been to. So they've got a chance to make the finals and I think he's certainly enjoying that. If, he, if you were going to give him truth serum, and you know, I asked several people close to him about this, you know, given truth serum, I think Mike would probably say, yeah, it's, you know, aesthetically it's not what he prefers. But the difference also is this, and now, you know, cynics will say it's splitting hairs, but, you know, basketball-wise, it, it's rational. What Mike says is, look, they're still running pick and roll first. They're still trying to keep things moving. But in an NBA where everybody is now switching on defense, you're ending up with a mismatch, and James Harden is a killer in isolation, especially against bigger guys. And so if you're going to have a weaker defender or a bigger guy on him because of the switch that was a response to their pick and roll, which is Mike's pet you know, uh, go-to offense, then, then it, it almost forces you to, to go isolation because he's so good at it. So Mike embraces it in that regard. He would still rather not have the ball be pounded for you know, too much of the shot clock, of course, but if it leads to a high-percentage shot, and most of what Harden does is that because he's either going to, or a high-efficiency shot, I should say, he's either going to get to the rim or draw a foul and go to the line, or he's going to hit one of his threes. Like Those are shots that Mike D'Antoni has always prioritized. Even in a pre-analytics era, D'Antoni was one who prioritized three-pointers, shots at the rim, and foul shots. And in the analytics era, we now know that that is the best approach. Right. And I don't know if he started it based on analytics or just that's how they no. played in Europe, you know, and, and that's and, you know, it, it yeah. ends up evening out some of some athletic mismatches. Uh, it's it's really smart. It's taking the basketball world by storm. What 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 about James Harden? Right. Like my issue with with the Rockets is Dan Tony's never been. He can say all the right things in the microphone about defense, but he's he's an offensive guy. He hires somebody else to do defense. Um, and Harden's kind of the same way, right? Like he's he's all about, is it's about offense. D- aren't they showing maybe their limitations? And I I know that the offense wasn't good last night, and maybe that's one of the reasons they they got beat. But I mean, it's not just that he gets beaten by great one on one players. It's that he gets beaten and then just kind of stands there and watches them lay the ball in or shoot uncontested shots. There's just a there's a give up factor to it and I wonder how much D'Antoni enjoys that even if he's not really a defensive guy. Well, I would just say this. I mean, first of all, Mike's teams in Phoenix, we now know through the benefit of advanced stats that when you're measuring defensive efficiency, accounting for pace, his son's teams were middle of the pack. They were not the worst in the NBA or never, not even near the worst in the NBA in defense. They were middle of the pack. They were in the teens. Um, his Rockets team the last couple of years uh, has been making great strides defensively and, in fact, was one of the best defensive teams in the league this year in terms of defensive efficiency. So the knock on, on Mike D'Antoni that, that, oh, he prioritized offense at the expense of defense, I think was always a bit of a misnomer, something that he himself actually fed into by some of his own remarks back in the day. But um, And Jeff Vizdelic is, is the lead assistant in charge of defense now. This has been a great defensive team, and they're – Switching defense, you know, they're, they're embracing that too. Their switching defense has been incredibly effective. But if we're going to evaluate their defense based on what happens against the Warriors in a series, I, that's a little bit tough because the Warriors, you know, destroy just about everyone. And that's just a, a, a fact uh, or a factor of having four all-stars and 
two MVPs on the floor. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that any defense is going to be fairly judged when they're playing the Warriors. What happens if they lose this series? Like, like you know, Chris Paul came over to go all in and you know uproots his family, and there was a lack of happiness there with the lack of progress in LA. But he could be. A, he's a free agent. What, what what happens with this team if they if they lose in five or in six? Um, you know, regardless of how many games they lose in, even if they go to seven and lose, I mean, I think the real concern is how do you improve, period. You know, Chris Paul is 33, and the window for him, you don't know how long it's going to be. You know, point guards in particular at that size, around six feet, six one, point guards don't necessarily uh, age well their games. And you never know which day is the day they're going to just kind of fall off a cliff. So, you know, they went from very team to 65-win team with Chris Paul in the mix. I, I just don't know what their true window is with him there. And then if it's not him, who are you replacing him with? Um, you know, Chris Paul will be a free agent this summer, of course. Clint Capella is a free agent, restricted, and there will be a big market for him. So the challenge is how do you, in the const- within the constraints of salary cap and everything else, make this team better? Um, but that's, that's not just the Rockets issue that's everybody's issue you know how do you catch a team with four all-stars in the warriors well there's a guy in cleveland who could be available <laughs> there is that guy um and the rockets of course won't have cap room but you can get creative you can find ways to create that room um daryl morey with the you know obviously the rockets gm is as creative and as aggressive as they come so he will certainly be in pursuit as will a lot of others um of LeBron, but you know that's—I I don't know how realistic that is. And if it's not him, what else? What other options are there? Could they make a trade for Kawhi Leonard if, if the Spurs are ready to move on from him? Could they make a, a move for Paul George if if uh, George leaves Oklahoma? There'll be you know there'll be possibilities, but they're going to be uh, high degree of difficulty options. Howard Beck joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Works for Bleach Report covering the NBA. All right, let's go to the other series. It, it, it felt like a mismatch in Boston. Now it feels equally like a mismatch in Cleveland. Uh, game four is a really telling game. What do you think we're going to see? <laughs> That's funny. I was in Cleveland for game three. I'm not there for game four. I was in, the, in Cleveland for game three, and... You know, everybody's always chattering about this, asking each other, eh, what do you think, what do you think? My feeling that day was, I'm almost certain they're going to win game three. I, I was pretty sure that the, the Cavaliers were not going to go down 3-0, that LeBron was not going to go down 3-0. But the, my first comment after that was, but I have no idea what will happen in game four. And I'm still not sure. I mean, my, my gut says uh, they'll pull out another one, they'll tie this series, it'll become a best of three, and, you know, that's, that's how I would expect it to unfold. But, you know, the Celtics have been, you know, they've been incredibly resilient all year for a team that is young in key spots. They uh, obviously are a really well-coached, very smart team. Uh, There will be adjustments to come tonight. We'll see what that uh, actually is. Uh, But, you know, I, I have a feeling as bad as this Cavaliers roster is, I think that LeBron can get them to at least one more win and tie this series first. I don't think the roster is as bad as people would, uh, you know, like, look, is it as good as it has it been? Is. You think? Well, how come? <laughs> um, you have, obviously, you know, one generational player in LeBron James. 
You yep. have one other player in Kevin Love who has been an all-star and is an above-average player, but he's not a creator. And then you have a bunch of guys who are average at best to below average, and many of whom had no postseason experience. I'm talking about the guys that got in trade. Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood, Larry Nance Jr. have done almost nothing in this postseason for this team. So you've got a rotation that's really full of holes. You don't have a Kyrie Irving, or you don't have a Dwayne Wade that LeBron had next to him in Miami. So by definition, and I've said this from the beginning of the season, before the trades, after the trades, this is the weakest supporting cast LeBron has had since 2009-10 when he left Cleveland the first time. And that's not... That's not even hyperbole. That's just that's just the fact. He doesn't have that dynamic co-star that he had in those seven straight trips to the finals. No, I, I understand that, but he's also going against the Celtics team and doesn't even have their their, their two best players, right? Like, uh, like well, in, let's, no, let's like, talk like about like Terry Ro- Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier. Does he start on any other any other playoff team? I would have to go through them in my head, but I, I think he would start for a few of them. I think Terry Rozier simply needed the opportunity in his, what, third year or whatever, to show what he had uh, okay, and then, developed into. Okay, and then, like, kind of go through it, and you say, I mean, the rest of the roster is so young, right? Yeah, you, you have but, two. All right, listen. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were both number three overall picks who had, you know, great potential at the moment they were drafted, have clearly developed some, and are putting up numbers and defend. And are like you can see them night in, night out. If you didn't know what year they were in the league, you would think they were five-year veterans. You wouldn't. So if your guys are playing at a level in terms of their actual talent and their poise that appears like a veteran, you can no longer say, well, they're just missing all this talent. Sure, of course, they're missing Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. But first of all, Al Horford is incredibly underrated and incredibly valuable to them. Agreed. And Tatum and Brown and Rozier are very good young players. Young, sure, but very good. Marcus Smart. Is a, is a guy that every team in the league would love to have, and they will all be chasing him this summer during his free agency. So just because they're missing two all-stars, which is not to be diminished, it doesn't mean that they don't also still have a wealth of talent there. In fact, they have far more talent overall, LeBron notwithstanding, than the Cavaliers do. See, I, I, look, I, I think he, here's where I think the flaw is. I think the flaw is in the, everyone try to construct a team around LeBron where you get shooters to give him space, right? He needs guys to give him space. And they, 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 didn't, they don't have great athleticism. And, and then their offense, up until game three when they started running a lot of pick and roll, a lot of ball screen to try and create some mismatch, it was a lot of off-the-ball screening and movement, looking to get switches and slips and jump shots, and then playing off of LeBron. So I, I think I think there's a, a the two flaws were in the construction of the team, and the, in terms of roster, and in construction of the offense, only playing one way, which really limited them. But I mean, like, look, Marcus Smart. I love Marcus Smart. Okay? He went to Oklahoma State, plays his nuts off. But like, Marcus Smart can't shoot. And though we're seeing the value of all the other things he does, that's not something that, for example, a, a team like Cleveland would value, right? Because, well, he can't shoot, so he can't play with LeBron. They've tried to construct a team around what he does and how he creates, and he can create shots for everybody else, and, and that has its limitations. <laughs> I would just say this. If the, if the Cavaliers had the opportunity right now to swap Jordan Clarkson or Rodney Hood for Marcus Smart, they would do it in a heartbeat. No, no I mean, question. But again, you're, you're, you're that. Those are bench players, right? 
And look, I didn't like the Jordan. I thought that Jordan Clark, Jordan Clarkson is a classic case of guy puts up numbers on really bad teams. We think he's going to put up those numbers on a good team, even off the bench, and he cannot. Okay, he's he's been exposed. But like Marcus Smart is a sixth or seventh man on any of these teams. He just happens to fit with the way in which Boston plays. They give him twenty five minutes. They don't care if he misses shots. They just let him play. Whereas a lot of team, you know, he you can't play him thirty five minutes a game because he can't shoot. That would be the limitation on most of the good teams in the NBA. Sure, and to your point, look, the Cavaliers, it's not a well-constructed group overall, but it was a group that was constructed, basically, you know, reconstructed twice in less than a year, both times under incredibly adverse circumstances. The first time with Perry Irving's gun to your head saying, get me out of here, and they made a deal that looked okay on its face, but was predicated on Jay Crowder being better than he'd been in Boston the last couple of years predicated on Isaiah Thomas actually overcoming a really tr- serious hip injury that he could not overcome and on him fitting in. Um, and then they, when, when all that went bust, they did what they could at the trade deadline. And look, they swapped out a bunch of, of you know, useless pieces for the most part for pieces that looked like they might at least be younger and more athletic. It just turns out that they haven't fit as well or couldn't come together as quickly or maybe weren't as good as they hoped. But the bottom line is they were doing this under duress twice over overhauling the roster and you know that that's it's not like they set out to put together a group that looked like this it's what they could do under the circumstances it's a it's a it's a great point what's your level of confidence that they can win this series oh i still think they have a good shot um you know as much as the celtics have not shown their youth for the most part you know there are still a young group that is going to make their mistakes we saw a little bit of that in game three and LeBron is just the ultimate X factor. I mean, you know, he can, you know, there are times we've seen him single-handedly win games. There are times in this postseason we've seen him put up monster uh, stat lines, you know, 40-point triple-doubles and still lose because of how weak the supporting cast is. But I think they're going to get this one tonight. I think it becomes the best of three. And then we'll see. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough to win in Boston. They have an incredible home court advantage there. But I, I still think, as weak as I believe this Cavaliers supporting cast to be, I still think they have a shot against the Celtics uh, just because of the youth. And, and again, I know <laughs> they're not showing that youth very often. They're, they're, they're playing like a veteran team. Hey, great stuff, Howard. Love the, uh, love the, uh, the article and love the work in covering the NBA. Look forward to talking in the very near future. Thanks so much for joining us on Fox Sports Radio. Appreciate it anytime. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Five-time NBA All-Star. He was NBA, first-team All-NBA in 1997. Three-time second-team All-NBA. He's, uh, his number's retired at UTEP. Man, killer crossover himself. Tim Hardaway, kind enough to spend some time with us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Tim, how are you? I'm good. How you doing? Good man. Uh, let's let's start with last night. Um, how much of it was Steph just getting it going? How much of it was felt like the Rockets kind of, especially Hardaway, waved a little bit of a white flag defensively? <laughs> well, you know, I just think that Steph, you know, just finally found his what what he had been looking for, his shot. You know, found his mojo again. You know, sometimes it, it happens like that. You gotta understand, he hasn't played what say in about six weeks or whatever. And uh, when he came back, you know, you fresh on your legs and, and everything's working for you and, and, and you making, you know, making stuff happen. Then, you know, um, 
um, stuff just stops happening for you. So that's normal. And and that's what happened to him. Now he, he has to, you know, he keep playing the game of basketball, keep shooting the same shots you've been shooting, keep going through your preparation like you've been going through your preparation. Don't stop nothing. And um, it's going to come back. It always do, and it did last night. And um, and it's a great thing he was at home when he got um going. You know, when you're at home, you get your home cooking. You're in your own your your own bed. You with your wife. You with your kids. You you know you with your family. You 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 talking. You you joking around, and it's 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 you know you're just having fun. But uh, and and now he's got his mojo back, and he feels good. Now the team's gonna gonna uh, feel great about him. Um, getting his mojo back, and now they're you know they're gonna take it to another level. Is there anything Houston can do? Um, you know what? They've been doing this all season long. They're not gonna change. They're gonna play the same way um, in the playoffs. Dan Tony told you. Uh, the rest of the team told you. You know that this is what they do. That's who they are. Um, they they're not gonna change nothing. So um, only thing you could do is play the defense the way you're supposed to play defense. Um, um, and hope that, you know, these guys miss shots. But, you know, that that's what they do. They make shots. I mean, Golden State Warriors, when they're healthy, they, they gonna, they're a tough team to beat. No question, but I also think there's, you know, they, they you can, the threes you can't stop, right? Like, if you're there and you're challenging a three, that's just a, that's just a hey, you know, there's, there's, but Houston had a bunch of turnovers, and they gave up a lot of, you know, one of the things that got Steph going, Tim, with some of these backdoor cuts and drives to the basket. You know, you got to play the percentages on the threes and hope that they miss, and I agree with you. You make 17 out of 34, you're going to beat everybody you play, right? But right. The, the difference becomes, difference becomes, when you're giving up layups, and it felt like felt like Houston fell asleep a little bit uh, on some of those cuts and some of those drives, and if you give up the layups, now all of a sudden you automatically collapse, and then you're going to give up more threes. Right, exactly. But you know what? That's what makes Golden State so good. They play all different type of ways. They can beat you all different type of back cuts, um, going to the hole with uh, slips, um, uh, you know, and, and they, and they, and they pass the ball very well too. And, and that's what they, when they don't turn the ball over and they just, uh, play the way they supposed to play. And that's what, that's what makes, uh, Golden State so tough. So tough. But, um, you know, like last night, they got, they had both everything going. You know, they had layups going. They had back doors going. They had, um, everything going and they had, um, um, the threes going. So I mean, they everything was cooking for them while they at home. Now the adjustment is we still play our same way. And Houston, they miss a lot of layups too. They miss a lot of layups at the rim. You know, Harden missed some layups at the rim. Chris Paul missed one layup at the rim. You got to make layups. When you get those layups, you got to make those layups, and you got to make those layups count. So, um, uh, you know, I'm I thinking that that's what they're looking at too. And and to me, I, you know, I I think. Um, you know, Houston, this is what they've been doing all year. Shooting the three, shooting the three, shooting the three. You know, sometimes you just got to take the shot that's given to you. And they don't they don't want to do that. If it's a mid-range shot, you got to take it. A two is a two. A layup is a two. A jump shot, mid-range jump shot is a two. So uh, I think they get so wrapped up, and I got to take a layup or a three, you know, and instead of just playing a game of basketball. So, um, um, you know, and, that, and that's what Houston has to do. They just got to continually just play the game of basketball and, 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 and play better defense than what they played yesterday, last night. And, um, you know, just hopefully that 
that the Warriors miss, but they're at home. They don't miss a lot when right. they're at home. Tim Hardaway joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Go to the other side, Cleveland uh, at home again against Boston. Boston looked just too quick, too athletic, um, and physically they kind of pushed around Cleveland in their, at their place. They go to Cleveland, and now all of a sudden they looked like the younger team. They looked like a team missing Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. What, what's I mean, it's so hard to tell when you – if you only watch game three, you're like, all right, this isn't a competitive series. If you watch game one and game two, you'd have the exact same thought, only the teams would be switched in your mind. Help me out. Who's actually the better team in the series? Well, the better team in the series is no no question is, is um, uh, the Boston Celtics, all right? But you got LeBron on the other team. And LeBron, uh, when, he, when you let him dictate – how his team is going to play, and, and, and you're not making shots on the other end, um, it's going to be a long night for you. LeBron is very good at what he does, and when he orchestrates the game like a conductor, like he always do, then it, nine times out of ten, he's going to give his, his, his team a chance to win. And that's all he wants to do, give his team a chance to win at the end of the, get, at the, end of the game. And i tell you this, if Boston don't get this game tonight, they're going to be in a world of trouble, I think. If you let them get uh, tied up 2-2, going to game three, um, you're giving LeBron, you under, you're making LeBron understand what he needs to do and you're giving him the understanding of what his team needs to do out there on the basketball court to be successful. And um, uh, if it goes to a game seven, oh, I wouldn't bet against LeBron. Uh, but, you know, the, um, like uh, Al Horford said, they got to come out and just play basketball the way they did the first two games. Take it to – the Cleveland Cavaliers um, play aggressively. Don't pl- play passively. Um, make make the right passes. Um, don't turn the ball over, and just um, play their game. When they play their game, they unstoppable. They unbeatable. But when they don't play their game, then they look really bad. You know, like they did in Game Three. They look really bad. Yeah, but, they, look, um, look, they look really tonight. Really young, and yeah. they look discombobulated in that game. Yes, they did. They look discombobulated. But, I mean, now they, they, they've been in enough games on the road in the playoffs to understand what they need to do. They need to come out and play harder, play better, don't turn the ball over, and make shots. When you're making shots, you know, life is better. You know, and, and they got to move the ball. Don't get stagnant. Just let's play some basketball. Tim, great stuff. Can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining us to give us your incredible insight into the NBA. Appreciate you being our guest on Fox Sports Radio. All right, thank you. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I 
see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.